and tell where this is going on, can't you? Right, that's recording now. So, we are now doing our first podcast. It's a little bit weird. It is. <laughs> because we, as well as microphones, we've got cameras pointing at us. Yeah, not really used to that one. Oh, it's fine. Uh, I've done it for four and a half years. It's fine. Are we talking about the fitness industry or something else? Uh, it's a bit of both, actually. It's a bit of both. So, we'll start with a backstory. Uh, do you want to go first? Uh, after you. I'll go oh, first. Oh. Um, okay. <laughs> Um, well, for anyone who doesn't know me, my name's James, I'm uh, registered blind, I lost my sight 20 odd years ago, and I became the first blind personal trainer in the UK. Uh, it took a long time to prove that I could do the job, I had to jump through quite a few hoops, and there was, um, shall we say stigma, is that the right word, fair word to say about me actually getting the job? Because, unfortunately, in the industry, there is a lot of stuff about the body beautiful and stuff like that. And in the, some cases, there can be an ego problem. I remember, I, once I got qualified, um, put it this way, I was in a class of 23 people. 22 people had two assessors. I had nine. I had a film crew and a photo, like a photo shoot people going around following me all the time. So it was quite a lot of pressure. But I got through it, passed. Um, I got 93% in my theory. Smashed the practical, passed, became the first one. Um, and when I got my first job as a fit coach in a very well-known big leisure company, I was actually told I couldn't do the job because I couldn't see. And when I did win an award in the company for Service Hero of the Year, I was told it was a sympathy vote. Only by one person. It was 800 people who didn't say that, but one person who did. And it gives you a rough idea, it only takes one person to make you feel like crap. Um, but turned out I ended up training his clients when he went on holiday. He asked me to do that. And two of his clients ended up working with me. But that's another thing. Um, so I've done that and worked with there, worked myself up from fit coach up to fitness manager, personal training manager. Then I ran club, moved and set my own place up and started Simply Fit, which I'm really enjoying. I love it, I've got great clients. I'm doing online work as well, also qualified as a life coach, so I'm helping people with goal setting and working with stuff like that and going through different issues. And now launching clothes as well. And now I've got the opportunity to work with Jordan, who's also my posing coach. Um, he's awesome at his job because I wanted to do a bodybuilding competition, still do, before I'm 50. I was due to do it earlier this year, but <laughs> this year um, a lot happened. Or actually not a lot happened. Depends on how you look at it, I suppose. That's a good point, yeah. You're the life coach, how are you looking at it? Is it half empty, half full? Um, yeah, you had time with family, but not everyone wanted that. Um, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's been a weird year for everyone. I think lockdown, that's going to be its own issue, own episode of a podcast. Yeah, I one. definitely agree with that. Um, but yeah, and now I'm at stage now, I still want to do a competition when I can get on stage. Obviously, it's going to be next year. And yeah. That's it. I'm I enjoying what I'm doing, and yeah, that's me. Before we jump over to me, what was your inspiration for starting Simply Fit and having your own place? I right okay. When I worked at the other company, um, when I trained a client, they would take a percentage out of my session. And mm-hmm. uh, so when I moved here, from I moved up from <clears> Kent <throat> to here, I was looking at other gyms and stuff like that, and then I realised, hang on a minute. 
I'm losing. I'm constantly paying someone else to do the job I like, yeah. love. Well, I offer. I'm good at my job. I know what I'm doing. I want the money. I want that career. It's it's my career, not theirs. So, started off. I said to my wife, "Look, we've got this money. Can I set something up?" She said, "Yeah, go for it." So, that's what I've done. And bit by bit, built the gym up around me. Over how long? Oh God. Um. Well, funny enough, I got a load of, a big delivery, a massive lorry turned up with a load of kit, and all the neighbours going, "Oh, what's he doing?" But um, it probably took. I'm, I'm still getting bits and pieces now. I'm constantly building. It's constantly evolving. It's changing. It's growing, which is brilliant. And I think that's how it should be. Yeah, I agree. You shouldn't get stuck in a rut, whether it's in your fitness or life or anything like. That. So this is constantly developing. I've got. I don't know if you noticed. There's a punch bag over there now. I didn't notice. Yes, I've got Ooh. a punch bag. Yes. Stressful days, eh? Exactly. But it's light <laughs> enough so you can pick it up and throw it. Oh, excellent. So you can, yeah, smack it about, pick it up, throw it. I sometimes forget you've got a martial arts background, don't you? Yes. Oh, yeah, it's another thing. I've done martial arts um, for five years. I've done Wing Chun fire. Yeah, quite intensive to the point of where I was sparring. And my Sifu used to blindfold himself. So it was fair. But, you know, the quickest way to learn was through actually doing it. I couldn't stand in a room with 10 people just going through the motions. I, I, I had no idea. I, had no, I, hadn't, I didn't know what was happening. I had to feel it. Um, it was a lot of contact in the martial arts, um, Wing Chun, sorry, that style. So it's great to do it one-to-one. And, yeah, I learned very, very quickly and got very good at it, thankfully. Chi Sao, isn't it? Sticking hands. That's yes, that's it, yeah. you start, yeah. Rolling yeah. arms and yeah. Bong Sao and stuff like that. And then I've done a bit of weapons. Not as much as you, but I've done a bit of weapons work as well. I had 15 years. It's a little bit different. Yeah, I started in my journey around seven years old, so I actually started as a martial artist. <clears throat> That's where everything began for me. So I started with kickboxing and Muay Thai. It was a hybrid between the two. I did uh, 15 years in that alone, and about four years in, I decided I was still bored, so I needed... Uh, Lao Ga Kung Fu, which is one of the original Shaolin styles, mm-hmm. uh, and I added Japanese swordsmanship through Kendo. Nice. So I was training five five times a week. Every All week. different styles. All different styles. Three times a week in kickboxing Muay Thai, once in Kendo, and twice in Kung Fu. Mm-hmm. So that spanned literally the first yeah fifteen years of my activities, um, as every kid does start because I was bullied. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah, yeah. almost everyone that gets into martial arts is either being bullied or has bullied. Yeah, I'd say that's a pretty fair assessment of most people in the world. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I suppose yeah, it is. A lot of people are like that. I got bullied. Um, the funny, the, the reason I learned martial arts was I got beaten up quite badly. Um, a group of guys were out having a night out. Um, had too much to drink. Saw me. They thought I was taking because I don't look visually impaired or blind. They thought I was taking the Mickey out of a blind person because I had a stick. Okay. Um, and they were like, oh, you're taking piss, you're taking piss. I was like, no, leave me alone. And one thing led to another, and I ended up having the absolute shite kicked out of me. Um, and yeah, and that sort of like motivated me to make sure it didn't happen again. Yeah. I think everyone kind of starts for that similar reason. Mm. It's kind of within that balance. So I didn't get the shit kicked out of me, but I was pretty close. Mm. A fair few times. So that kind of, my parents pushed me into that. You yeah. end up falling in love with it. Yeah, it's just, it, it is a discipline. It's, it's good for the body, it's good for the mind. Oh, definitely. It's brilliant. And it's, it is a discipline. That's the thing. It's an all-encompassing yes. discipline as well. It affects everything. Yeah. That's kind of how I fell into bodybuilding as well, which is the next journey in my kind of progression. So 
the the idea of that was with fighting you end up getting quite thin quite quick especially training so many times a week not yes. eating properly because I had no idea how to eat mm. um, yeah so I ended up just shy of being anorexic medically anorexic which probably about seven years ago now it's a weird thought and how tall you were about 5'10 five, 5'11 five, 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 oh, on wow. a good day on a good day okay yeah not quite that tall I'd love to be 5'11 yeah it's about the perfect height for bodybuilding <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, uh, at 18 years old, eight stone. Yeah, that's pretty light. Yeah, that's pretty light. 19 years old, about eight and a half stone. Okay. So that's the point where you kind of kick in and you go, mm, okay, going to take this a little bit more seriously now. Yeah. So I kind of started going to the gym, just messing around as everyone does in their first year. Messed around, kind of fell in love with the idea of being able to change the way that I look. So slowly scaled back on martial arts. Hmm. Dropped out kendo first. I got to the Great British team with that kind of fell out in love with it because of that actually um i loved more of the art than the sport was it more the higher you got into it like you said in the british team was there a lot of pressure yeah oh massively especially as i was one of very few people that used two swords instead of one so there was a lot of pressure to perform because i was different i suppose yeah um and because that can be seen as an advantage the way that i fought i was pressured into quite a lot of competitions and i just like I said, I enjoyed it for the art form that it was instead of the yeah. sport that it should have been for those guys. Yeah. So because people were pressuring me into the competitions, as much as I enjoyed one or two of them, and I did very well at them, it wasn't what I wanted out of that. So I ended up kind of pulling out of it. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Kung Fu, I kind of dropped out more because of money and time, to be honest. You get to a point where you actually have to start working. Mm. Uh, you can't be a kid forever. So I started working, and that kind of just, <laughs> yeah, it kind of pushed that one out. And then kickboxing Muay Thai, that was the one I actually stuck with the longest out of everything. And I ended up pulling just because I wanted to focus more on bodybuilding. Yeah. So 2017, I wanted to do my first show or get ready for it. And I knew that getting leaner, getting tighter, you're going to be more at risk of injuries. And getting kicked in the face three times a week isn't exactly going to help that. Mm. So I decided to make that jump and completely stop. So you say no, it's the bodybuilding thing. Yeah, because it's still giving me the competitive side. And with my job being public facing in the gym as well, can't really have a black eye and sell a membership. Doesn't work so well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, split lip. Yeah, yeah no, it's not, not busted such across a your face. look. And I think my missus would have something to say if I permanently had a busted face. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of an, it was a no-brainer. It still gave me the competitive edge that I wanted. I still wanted to be able to compete at something. Um, and it gave me what I needed, which was to put weight on and change the way that I looked. Do you think the discipline from martial arts has helped you with that? Oh, massively. Because I don't mind suffering for a diet because I spent 15 years training, uh, doing the same repetitive motions again and again and again, where most yeah. people would find it boring. I found it to be a challenge, and it's that uh, consistency that goes through with it. The discipline was there. Mm. It was just nailed into me from such a young age. And the thing is, you, always, you know there's an end goal. Yeah. There's a purpose yeah. to it. Exactly. Whether it's a grading, whether it's a fight, whether it's being on stage, there is an end goal that you're working towards. And I think one thing that um, transitions between both is the fact that there's no such thing as perfect. There's no perfect kick, there's no perfect punch, nor is there mm. no perfect physique. Yeah, that's interesting. So for me, I'm always chasing the form of perfection, but there is no definition of what that is. Mm. Be it uh, perfection to a judge, perfection to me, perfection to the general public. Like, everyone's perception of it is different, so you can't ever attain it. I think it's a problem with like nowadays in society and magazines and films and stuff like that. That's what if people see it and it's not, it's not real. It can be quite fake. Yeah, it can be. And people really do. They strive to, and people put themselves through all kinds of silly diets or fads and stuff like that, and surgery at some 
Yeah, yeah. Still waiting for mine. That's another episode. Completely. Oh, to to look to the this perfect shape, this perfect body, but it's not there. No, it's not. And I think it kind of started with movies, but everyone blames social media for it. But I don't think it ever was social media. I think it came from movies and magazines. Mm. Back in the early 2000s, you started having the likes of Sylvester Stallone, Arnie, The Rock. Yeah. For men, obviously, there was the, the women that were looking at magazines in particular, more so than movies. And I think, Miranda, so and that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, massively. I think that probably influenced a lot more than social media ever could or would. True. Well, we didn't have that so much social media back then now it's just flooded with stuff like that but we've already been desensitised to it yeah. the concept is already there because of the movies the magazines even like just going to WH Smith's and looking at a book cover and you've got a model on the front of it all of a sudden for a fantasy novel so it's it's permanent exposure to it yeah it's, it's, unfortunately it's the whole thing that sex sells as well yeah it really does the, the fitness industry in general is only a shade away from porn true you think like the like so, you, you like you say you you pick up a uh, protein shake or something like that, and it's got any images on it. Chances are they're not wearing much clothing. No, and um, to be fair, it goes even down to personal trainers as well, doesn't it? You don't buy from the trainer that you don't well easy. Yeah, go on. <laughs> you don't buy from a trainer that doesn't look the way you want to. Hmm. If you've got an out of shape trainer, you don't tend to buy from them. You won't buy their packages because they can't do what you want to do. Never really trusted bald hair, uh, like barbers. Nope, nor would I. Yeah. Sorry, that's just... Actually, that's, that's, that is a weird thought. I've never really come across too many bald barbers, though. Yeah. Well, no, I wouldn't trust one. No. Just in case. Actually, I think that goes for any industry, though, doesn't it? Someone that doesn't do what they're selling. Tattoo artists. Yeah, fair enough. Anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's our backstory. Yeah. I don't know if there's any questions have popped up or anything like that. If anyone's out there, give us a wave. No questions on there. There's quite a lot of hellos. Oh, hello, 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 hello. Thank you for uh, tuning in. Also, I, I don't know if Instagram's kicked back in again. Probably not. Uh, no, you've got low battery. You've got lower than mine. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Hang on, let me see if I can... Anything happening? Let's see if it can stay on for more than a couple of minutes. Okay. So if you are back on Instagram, apologise for that. And, well, we're finished. No, we're not. <laughs> um, we have got some questions. We're going to go through it. And if anyone's got anything to say while we're talking, um, please let us know. Because, you know, you might not agree with us. You might agree. That's the whole point of doing this. Yeah, exactly. Let me find the questions. Right. Are we starting from, uh, from the top? Anywhere you want. Don't give me that option. Uh, let's start with, do you think society has normalised being fat and healthy uh, and some of the health issues that come with it? It's deep. It really is deep. I think we live in a very soft, soft nanny kind of state where you, you've got to be careful what you say to people. And sometimes, yeah, that's the right thing. You know, you you judge it and know what you your audience and stuff like that. But yeah, definitely. Some people, <laughs> some people are overweight for one simple reason: they eat too much. I will put a disclaimer out. These are just our opinions. Before anyone takes offence to this, because I can kind of see where this may end up. Mm. Uh, yeah, it normally is. You've eaten too much. And I think there's a big culture of secret eating now as well. How do you mean? Uh, people that won't admit that they eat too much, they end up grazing and snacking. Right, okay, yeah. And it yeah, it used to be you have three square meals a day and your portion control was out of control. Yeah. 
now it's got to you can have four or five small meals but they end up being just snacks and usually on the wrong things as well true yeah and then because there's that culture of not admitting to anything you don't admit the fact that you're, you're eating at 11 o'clock at night and it's the crackers that were found in the back of the cupboard that you're hiding from your husband or your wife yeah well there's a there was a program and i think it was called freaky eaters and there's people I remember that yeah and there's like people actually waking up in the night and going off and eating something and they'll literally block it out yeah. make it out and come downstairs who, who, who's had the yogurts who's had the cheese and it was there lucy's done that really i bought a packet of wraps there was eight in a packet when i went to it two days after we bought it so i could start using it there was only three in there but she doesn't remember at all eating it and i know she was being honest she has no recollection of eating it yeah but she has a habit of getting up at night and the thing is, like, like you say, is like portion control and stuff like that. People have something, they don't realise we don't need to have as much as we're having. It's a like, quite indulgent no. kind of lifestyle that we have. I, I don't think the national guidelines on that help either. Obviously, a lot of food uh, packages have the, everything's on a 2,000 calorie basis. Hmm. That was set in 1970. Yeah, update. A little bit, and it hasn't been updated since. I did some research on it. Yeah. So it hasn't been updated since 1970 when we tended to live a more active lifestyle. Yeah, it's a lot more sensory lifestyles. Yeah, definitely. We didn't have the office work that we do now, or at least not on the scale that we do now. Mm. Um, we were generally more active people, and more sociable as well in a lot of ways. Yeah. Taking this year out of it, I think for the most part, a lot more people would rather go home than go to the pub or go to anywhere with friends, to be honest. There's a lot more walking involved and getting out and about stuff. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Everything, we live in a life of convenience. Fast phones, fast internet, fast coffee, fast everything. Quick results, that's what yeah. everyone wants. But that's led to us needing a lot less food. And yet you've still got these recommended guidelines yeah. from the government, which people instantly go, well, that must be right. And then they don't take account into the fact that we do live a, a much more sedentary lifestyle. Yeah. The, the whole thing about um, five fruit and veg a day, that's, back, that's done back in the 30s and 40s, I think. And it was supposed to be seven, but they, the American... Uh, I can't remember which university done it. They said... Uh, you know, we know people won't eat that much, so let's trim it down to five. And it stayed. At one point, didn't it go up to nine? Oh, it was meant to be, but no one's going to do that. But then that in itself is unhealthy. Yeah. Getting it all in. Well, five pieces of fruit, the sugar content from that. People forget yeah, it's this, still sugar. This is where the, the PT and nutrition bit yeah. kicks in it. Yeah, going, oh, we're never going to have fruit now. <laughs> Don't talk about bananas. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> We are using them as food, yeah. Uh, yeah. Throwing them uh, shakes. A lot of people throw me shakes. Um, mm. That was a big craze for ages, wasn't it? Um, blending all your fruit, fruit shakes. Yes. Yeah, it just unlocks all the sugars, though. Brings it down. Straight to the bloodstream. Yeah. Insulin kicks in. Wonderfully. Right. Um, all right. Sorry, are we answering that question or did we go from the tangent? I think we went on a tangent. Is it being normalised? Let's, let's break it down. Go for it. I think it has. I think it's become, and it, you are right, it's because we do live in a softer world, I think it's much more normal to accept being unhealthy. Mm. Because we're not allowed to tell you that you're not. Exactly. And I think it, it goes two ways as well, because it, it's really frowned upon to say someone's too skinny. Yeah. No one ever told me that I was looking unhealthy and ill. I was very gaunt at my lightest. I looked awful. Yeah. And no one would ever tell me, because it's not right. That's the problem. Unfortunately, I've done something on my life coach stuff about being honest. 
And I think in our industry, well, actually, you know, and I think it's very difficult because you don't want to upset people, you don't want to offend them, but you need to be honest to the point where people don't want to hear it. They know it, they don't want to hear it. No, yeah, I agree. It's an age-old thing. The truth will set you free, but it'll piss you off first. Yeah. And once you hear it and you accept it and you know it, then you can move forward and deal with it. But until you hear it, you'll always find an excuse and we'll round it and, oh, that person, oh, yeah, they're, they're really bubbly. Yeah, like, you know what I mean? That doesn't help the health issues that go with it. No. Which is the other side of the question. Well, I still don't think that's normalised. The health issues aren't. The imagery behind being overweight or being too skinny in itself yeah. is definitely normalised, but I still don't think the health issues are normal, but I don't think they're admitted to. How do you mean? I don't think a lot of people that are in particular overweight will admit that they have health issues. What do you think they'll, they'll always think of something or blame something else? Yeah, rather than what there's always another reason that yeah. they have high cholesterol. There's always another reason they're diabetic. There's always another reason their blood pressure is through the roof. Mm. But it's not being overweight because they're, in their own mind, healthy. Yeah. Well, it, unfortunately, there was a, a thing about, I think it was Mike, oh, I can't say the name. There was someone who'd done something about a vegan. Someone went to a vegan. Great. It's down to them, it's their choice. But unfortunately, it, it didn't work for them. So they started, their gums started playing up and bleeding. They lost teeth. Really? Yeah. They, they got really ill, ashen skin. They weren't, energy levels dropped or something. It just wasn't right for them. Would they look at their food? No. It wasn't no, what they was eating. It wasn't that. It was, no, I'm saving the world. I'm saving the planet. I'm doing everything. It's just <laughs> great. You're killing yourself because of an ideal. But then the, does that become uh, the ideal to do the right thing or because they're trying to function in a different way? By that, I mean, are they trying to do it for the social side of looking like they're, they're doing their part by eating vegan, not eat, consuming as much meat? And is it just for that social gratification? Uh, I, it was for the social gratification. Well, there you go. That's probably then why they would never admit it was the food. No. But until they actually went to the dog and said, look, you've done the, your blood work, this is wrong, that's wrong. You need to change this and change that. And once they did... I think it was six months to get themselves right. Really? Yeah. They really was in a bad way. I know someone that ended up having their gallbladder removed because of ketogenic diet. Yeah? To do it wrong? Yeah, massively. Yeah. And they were trying to prep for a show as well. You're joking? No. Honestly, it was a female. I worked with her for a little while. She uh, had her gallbladder removed because of it. Nearly killed her. Yeah, well, yeah. So, even things like that. And that's quite an easy diet to follow. Yeah. Not, not particularly difficult. It takes a while to get the swing of it, but... Once you do, it's not difficult, but it still managed to put her in a very, very bad health place. So the thing is, everyone's different. No one knows what's right for them until you actually do something. I think there's a question that's coming up concerning um, certain type of food sources or is it the, the uh, if you're on a certain type of yes, diet? Yes, yeah, that's right, yeah. We go, can we go to that one? Are we done with that question then? I, I believe so. Yeah, so... Uh, where is it? If someone uses uh, meal replacement shakes to lose weight, how can they maintain the loss when they reintroduce food? Don't growl. <laughs> no, go on, I'm not saying anything. I'm not saying anything. I, 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 right, okay. 
<laughs> there's a lot of stigma that goes with uh, meal replacement shakes. We're um, not meant to live on liquids. Particularly for the companies that introduce chemicals into their shakes. There's ways of doing it, but it's usually using whole foods, real foods. Yes. Yams, sweet potatoes, things like that can be broken down into a decent shake. But you wouldn't live on it all the time. No. And there are people out there who promote it, do it, and they spend most of their time or most of their day (laughs) drinking these stuff. And then when they... Yeah. You're going to lose fat, you're going to lose muscle, you're going to lose everything, probably the will to live. But you're going to lose all that kind of stuff and think you're fantastic. But then, you hang on a minute, I've got to start eating again. How do I chew? Um, and as soon as you do, guess what happens? You're going to bounce back. Your Why? body's going to absorb it. Because it's missed it, it needs it. <laughs> it's just one of those things, we need to have food. It's also, I think, comes down to the sheer caloric deficit it puts you in. 100%, yeah. I think if you're relying on shakes, you probably can't really breach much more than six, 700 calories, eight tops, if you're mis- diet, uh, mis-measuring your shakes, which is an insane deficit. That's probably what your brain probably needs just to think. We need maintenance calories. Uh, for anyone who's not, uh, doesn't know about it, you need... A certain amount of maintenance calories just to breathe, blink, and just exist. So once you start mucking about with that and you're dropping that, yes, you're going to lose weight, you're going to lose focus, you're going to uh, get irritable, you're not going to be able to sleep properly, your hormones are going to be all over the place. These things happen. But you shouldn't be down that low for a long period of time. No. And not expect to stay there. So when you do need to come back up to your normal maintenance level... If you've been, like John said, if you're on a massive deficit and then you, you're just going to rebound back and people end up yo-yoing. Oh, yeah, massively. Then that screws with uh, genetic adaptations. Yes. You start falling into that category and then actually getting out of that hole that you end up digging yourself becomes a very long process. Mm-hmm. Tends to be what makes our money, to be fair. It's people that have done that over an extended period of time going, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. I, I said, I made an analogy once with one of my clients. And they went back to a certain company five times for weight loss. Yeah, yeah, I remember you saying actually. And I said, like, every time they went, it worked. But they kept going back. And I thought, well, has it worked? If you had a really nice car, the best car in the world, which, and it broke, and you took it to a mechanic, he said he fixed it. Six months later, it broke again. Would you go back again? Maybe. Would you go back a third time? No. Christ, Christ not. No. Well, why'd you do that with a diet? I think, again, it comes down to that particular company um, is socially acceptable to use. Mm. Especially as they breached into uh, other facets of life as well. They got into supermarkets. They created their own food brands. Yes. So you then start seeing them. So become normalised. Again, it's labelling in society. We see the flashing lights, the bright colours, and we go for it. Very much so. I think that's why people go back to companies like that. Mm. But what... (sighs) Companies like that, and I think that goes for anything in that brand, they create their own eating disorders. It is. It is labelling certain foods as, as uh, particular words. Yeah, they demonise stuff. Yeah, massively. That's a good word. Yeah, they do. They demonise it. And it's not, it's not the food. <laughs> it's usually carbohydrates that they demonise. Yeah. Uh, it's, but then people will go out and they'll, they'll run around. There. People are probably listening to this and watching this and thinking, oh, well, what do I do? I want to lose weight. I want to look good. I want to be healthy. You can. You just need to do it properly. I think there's two ways to approach it. Either 
do things slowly, start cleaning up your diet. Everyone knows when you've got something in there that shouldn't be there. If you're drinking too much, reduce it. If you're eating too many sweets or chocolates, reduce it. And over time, you start losing weight. And you just take out the crap that doesn't need to be there. Mm. Or you go to someone that knows what they're doing. I, I, before, um, I don't know who it was before, i say about three years ago, having a personal trainer would have been seen as a luxury. It would have been yeah. something like... Some type of people do. Oh, yeah. I've got a trainer. I do this. I do. That. I've got a trainer. I actually believe now it's more essential when you've got children with obesity problems. You've got health issues in middle-aged people. Yeah, we're living longer, but what's the quality of life? Alzheimer's, dementia, all this kind of stuff that's out there. I want to get to the age of ninety and still be able to play and kick around with my grand, hopefully, grandchildren by then. Yeah. Great grandchildren. I want to. I want to have that flexibility, that mobility. That I want to have that life in me to do that. It's functionality, isn't it? Exactly. Just being able to maintain yourself as a person. Yeah. And it's not going to be something like I can start tomorrow. You got to start today. No, of course. And that's what happens. Is 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 being with a trainer or someone who knows what they're doing. Whether it's a friend or a trainer, or you do it online, whatever it is, do it sooner rather than later. Yeah. Because as it, what Rocky film was it? There is no tomorrow. Mm. Um, I'm a bit of a geek when it comes to films <laughs> and stuff like that. My memory is not that great. Go on, there is no me. tomorrow. Enlighten me. Apollo said it to him. There is no tomorrow. It was in what the first one, the second one? It was in both. Uh, it's been Tom a long Winters. time since I've watched them. It's been a long time. It was Mr. T was in it. That was the second one, wasn't it? <sighs> was it that the second one? Third. Yeah, yay! Yay! Lucky guess. <laughs> <laughs> Clever Lang done. Yeah, he, he done Mickey, bless him. There is no tomorrow. And that's true. So when you're on a, like a, basically a liquid diet and you start eating normally again, weight's going to go back on. As Jordan said, your calories are going to go back to normal and your body's just going to... And you're going to think, oh no, I'm putting all this weight on. It's where you should, where you should be. The thing is, with these shakes as well, a lot of the, the main companies, you, you see a couple of uh, what we'd call shelf brands. Mm. They, uh, they tend to put laxatives into a lot of them nowadays. Not in huge amounts, not enough where you would actively immediately notice it, but a lot of them do have uh, some laxatives in there just to assist the weight loss. And diuretics, I suppose. Diuretics are usually in there as well. Yeah. So you, what you'll experience is a huge amount of water loss and because of the deficit a small amount of fat loss mm. but you're losing electrolytes you're losing general health as well for that yeah you then relying on a chemical to create i suppose a flush out of the body would be the right way of putting that polite way of putting it yeah so that then creates a whole different kettle of fish for the body to deal with yeah you're relying on chemicals to get you there then when you do introduce food you haven't got the chemicals flushing you through your internals are going to be absolutely messed up Yes, yeah, really digestive system, lower intestines, all that kind of your gut health is going to be non existent. Well, your backside's not going to be too great either, but. No. The thing is, it's all linked. Like, you can't use diuretics in these shakes and expect to get away with it. No. No, it's good. I don't know if anything's come up on. No questions, no, but a lot of comments. Uh, leave the bananas alone. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> hey. You got a thing with bananas I don't know about. I just, I, right, I just know they're very high in your sugar content. They're great if you want a quick fix and something like that, but don't have them. As, I used to have a tutor who would have two bananas at lunchtime. And, oh, yeah, I'm great. I'm losing weight. It was great. Well, 
when she stopped doing her little bit of exercise that she was doing, she put on weight very, very quickly. Yeah, I can imagine that not being too great. No, it wasn't. And it was very quick, very quick. And again, oh, it wasn't that, oh, yeah, it's not like, oh, it's just because I'm not doing anything. What she wasn't doing wasn't a lot anyway. It was just what she was eating. So on to finish the actual question itself then, is there a way of, a way of maintaining the loss, in your opinion? Not in a healthy way, no. Because you're not meant to be in that much of a deficit for that long. It'd be borderline starvation. It would. Yeah, You'd have one hell of a reverse diet to get out of that. So slowly incrementing food. Yeah. That's providing your body can even tolerate the solids, depending on how long you're on the shakes. Yeah. And then again, you're going to end up with so many health issues. And again, a borderline eating disorder, because you're, you're going to see yourself in this, in the mirror, thinking you look great, thinking about it, and everyone else around you, whoop, because of the site we're in, will say you look great, say you look you're fantastic. And you know what? You're not. Well, think about it, the salt. You don't tend to get salts in shakes. They don't tend to put too much sodium in them. So potassium and stuff like that. Mm. Electro- you say electrolytes are good. Yeah, but in general, you're going to get the water retention as soon as you put real food back in. Yeah, you're going to blow up. Massively. And people will panic. Yeah. Go back into it. Then you get the mental health side of it again. And it is, yeah. I think the answer is basically no, you can't maintain it. You can't. No. Not healthily, like you said, anyway. But then, would you really want to maintain that? Mm. I just, I don't see that lifestyle being sustainable. It's not a good one. It's an expensive one as well. Yeah. Those shakes aren't cheap. No, considering what's in them, it's probably cheap to make, expensive to buy. I don't know how much diuretics go for, so I'm not going to comment on it. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's have a look. Uh, how would you recommend someone start their fitness journey? Um, move. <laughs> I knew that was coming. Yeah, get up, walk about. It's, it's very easy to not... We'll, we'll find a way to do as little as possible, because we are creatures of comfort. Mm, definitely. So being able to actually get up and move about, go for a walk, do anything, it's, um, people will see it as a chore and it shouldn't be. It should be a reward. It should be something you look forward to doing because you're going to live longer for doing it. Do you know what I think? The, just the concept of calling it a journey actually makes it quite daunting. Yeah. Some people could be put off by that. Yeah. Yeah. That really can damage the ability to start straight away it's taking that first step isn't it mm-hmm. if you if you all of a sudden put a journey onto it it's some epic transformation it's going to be a long process that would put me off I didn't start what you would call my fitness journey going I'm going to start a fitness journey now <laughs> <laughs> right that's it I'm on the journey I'm off it's not the hobbit like it's slightly different <laughs> it, it, I think putting such a great expectation on it is probably the worst thing you can possibly do. Can you put too much pressure on yourself? Straight away. And you no. haven't even started yet. No. The idea should be that you start just making better choices. Little bits. Baby steps. Find an activity you enjoy. My mum's my recently... Um, what she do? It's, I think it's like 100,000 steps in a, a week she has to do. Wow. Yeah. That it started as something for uh, an ambulance charity and now it's just become an obsession. But she does it with a group of friends. They've got Fitbits, they're all connected. Yeah. Um, and they all keep uh, track of each other. And a couple of them go for walks a few times together. Sometimes they do the walks on their own. But they've got that set amount that they're supposed to do. I think it's in a week. I'm pretty sure it's in a week. 
because mm. they're doing a lot of steps. Was that per person or as a group? Per person. Oh, wow. Okay. It's, like I said, it started for a charity. It started as a charity event. I think it was for um, air ambulance. Mm. And um, it's kind of spiraled to the point now where it's, it's actually dramatically changed one of them that I'm aware of, um, my mum's best friend. She's dramatically changed from last time I saw her. And then also my mum is, is kind of into this. She's done bits and pieces before. She was kickboxing with me for a long time. She's carried that on. But this is something that's a little bit different. It's a little bit less taxing on the body and so easy to do. Yeah. And because it's all done through a Fitbit, it's easy to link with other people. Yeah, definitely. And to maintain the track. I think so. getting started, it could be something like a charity. Yeah. Do a charity. It doesn't even have to be 100,000 steps. It could no. be something far more achievable, 50K. Yeah, anything. 5K, race for life, anything like just something to get you motivated, to get you off the sofa, out of the chair, and moving. And it is easy with friends. Yeah, it's always if, better. If you've got someone with you, it's so much easier. But that's not a fitness journey that they're doing. It started as something they're doing for charity, and now all of a sudden it's become borderline obsessive because they're trying to outdo each other's steps. <laughs> yeah, when a hobby becomes an obsession. Yeah, yeah, different podcast. <laughs> obsessive. But I think yeah, the easiest thing to do is literally just get moving. Uh, whether it's doing some gardening, get that's rid of some good stuff. Yeah, I cut, forget cut your own grass. Yeah, do something like that. Find a local club. Yeah. Whether it's martial arts, whether it's Right, they've got running clubs, gymnastics. Yeah. It depends on the age, the person, the goals. But there's always something you can do. Mm-hmm. It's much, much easier. Like you say, walking, hiking, anything. Yeah. You'll be able to find something. Obviously not darts. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not quite where we're going with that. Um, unless you walk into the pub and back. Um, but but yeah. the, the pints will kind of negate all the benefit. True. Very true. <laughs> Golf. Yeah, with, yeah, hitting a ball as hard as you can and go and find it. It's always a good sport. <laughs> yeah, because it never goes where it's supposed to go. <laughs> but uh, just getting involved. Yeah, just getting involved with a, a group, with a friend. You say to someone, let's do this together, commit to it, even write up a little contract and say, yeah, we're going to do this twice a week and then just see what happens. And just don't put too much pressure on it. No, enjoy that, it. That big expectation that we said at the start, the big expectation is what will ruin it for most people. Mm, the journey. Yeah. But it becomes something. When you start, you never know where it's going to end. No. Um, when I started, like, I started, when I was 13, my brother had a multi, York multi gym in his bedroom. Oh. And I wasn't allowed to touch it. Since he went out, I was on it. <laughs> and now, look, I've got my own place. Yeah. So you never know where it's going to be. You start two days a week, who knows? You might end up as a coach, a running coach or something for someone else. Especially if you find that passion, just just getting the right thing. Yeah, definitely. That's cool. a pretty good answer. Let's move on. Yeah. Uh, on the flip side of it then, I'm almost at the end of uh, my weight loss journey. How do I start maintaining my shape and weight? Well, it goes back to the maintenance side. It does, yeah. Well, you, I'm not, you're, you've been through it quite a few times with competitions and stuff, so... Other maintenance. Yeah. Oh, it's a horrible phase in the sense that you For me, at least, there's no uh, goal to change. You're not trying to gain weight. You're not trying to lose weight. But it's, it's relatively easy to maintain a body weight. Just keep the same habits that you have that got you there. What about if you're in a deficit? A slight increase. Most people are only in a two to 500 calorie deficit. Mm-hmm. Most people are doing it properly anyway. Yeah. Obviously, bodybuilding's a little bit more extreme. The deficits can get huge. Yeah. Um, but taking bodybuilding out of it, it can just be a minor, minor increase of food or a decrease of expenditure. 
to then allow you to maintain that weight. Yeah. So let's just take a, a normal 35-year-old woman. How would you suggest maintaining that? They got to a, a good weight they're happy with. What would you change? What would you ask them to do? I'll find out how they got there first. Um, obviously, if it's with me and we know that we're looking at the food, stuff like that, you say portion size control, I'd look at that, then find out the expenditure, the training side of it may change. I'd probably keep weights going, but decrease maybe walk, walking or something like that, you know, just bring it down a little bit. You don't have to... Think about training and stuff like that and keeping fit and maintaining stuff. We use cardio... People don't understand, cardio is cardiovascular. That's what it is. It's a, if you do slow state, steady cardio, you're going to burn fat. So you don't have to go health level of like five times a week in a, a hit class. You don't have to do that. <laughs> I'd have a heart attack if I tried that. Well, yeah, but the thing is, it'd probably, it'd probably be detrimental, to be honest. You'd become catabolic pretty quick. And you yeah. actually do have, you will lose. Exactly. So if you're overtraining, a lot of people don't realise they're doing it. So if, if you're overtraining to get that weight loss off, you get to the maintenance things, you just slow back down. Mm, yeah. And then straight away, you start in, reintroducing some food. Not a lot. Like you're saying, you don't need a lot to reintroduce it. Do you know you only need 500 calories to grow a baby? Is 500, right? Yeah, 500 calories a day. Don't know how I'm going to do that, but... Well, we're engaged <laughs> now. Um... Well, let's not go down that road. <laughs> <laughs> not yet. Uh, Daddy Jordan. Um <laughs> That sounded weird. That <laughs> um, <laughs> sounded really weird. But um, yeah, so you just need to have a bit more calories in it, cut back on the intensity of your work and your training, and enjoy your life. It, yeah. It, it sounds simple, but it's a difficult thing to get your head around once you've been doing a weight loss management course or something like that for a long time. And then all of a sudden you've got someone saying, well, oh no, you've got to stop doing that. You think, what? Really? <laughs> But I'm going to get fat. No, I'm going to put this weight on. You're not. It's just going to level out and you're going to control it better. Yeah. It, it is. It's just staying in control of what you're doing. Discipline. Yeah. And if you've had the discipline to lose the weight in the first place, you've sure as hell got it to maintain it. Don't relax just because you've got to that weight that you want to get to. No. And it's not an excuse to, like, to go stuff your face in McDonald's either. But um, am I allowed to say that? Uh, you have now, so. Uh-huh. Thing is, I think everyone celebrates when you get to your goal weight. Yeah. It's the first thing that, that you do. It's, it's an achievement for a lot of people. Definitely. So allow yourself to be happy and, and have a small meal, celebrate. Just don't go OTT with it. Mm. Don't allow yourself to lose control. Stay focused on what you want. And whether your goal is to lose weight and live longer and be healthier, which I'm all about, then, yeah. Have the meal, have the food, and enjoy it. But don't let it get carried away. No, exactly. Cool. I just want to see 60 on that note. 60? Yeah. I'm 25. I think you've been all right, man. And my one more. not known for longevity. <laughs> one, um, more. one more for the crowd, please. I've been injured. Uh, what is the best thing to do in regards to training? Can I uh, train other areas of my body? Right, we was going over a quick flick through these questions and before we started, I've trained people with that have had injuries because you have got the rest of your body depending on the injury and I've trained people with missing limbs. But as Jordan said, that's not an injury, that's a... It's a life adaptation. Yeah. It's kind of what, with you as well, like with the vision, it's not an injury, it's, it's literally a life change. 
So you have to adapt to it. But if we are looking at injuries as a whole, kind of depends on where the injury is to whether you carry on training. Mm. If you damage your back, there's not a lot you can do. No. It's not advisable to continue. If you damage the limb, depends on how you've damaged it. Is it muscle tear? Is it a sprain? It's a really broad question. But I think there's certain injuries where you can work around it. Um, depending on what they are, like you said, well, obviously, if you're you've hurt your you've broke your arm, you're not going to be doing any bench pressing or anything like. No, but you can still get on. You can still some legs. You can walk. You can run. I think it's knowing your own body, isn't it? I think if you understand your own limitations, if it is genuinely a back injury for the person asking, if you can do things without it hurting or aggravating, then yeah, by all means, train what you can. If it is a limb injury, a leg or an arm. Work around it. If it's arms, you can still do leg exercises. Yeah. And vice versa. Yeah. you still got the rest of the body. Think with a back injury, obviously it needs to heal. But we've both had pretty bad injuries before. Yeah. I've had surgery on my shoulder and stuff like that. And my knee's pretty screwed. But... And that's just on a good day. <laughs> it's an age thing. But you, um, you have that fear of stepping on it or pushing that weight yeah. because you think it's going to hurt again. You, you're reminded of the pain. Yeah. But you have to build up the confidence to get past that. I know you can do it. So if you have got a back injury and stuff like that, like heal, let it build up. Don't be scared to train it again because it'll get weak. So you need to make sure it stays strong. Get healthy, get better, train it slowly so you can build up the strength so it doesn't happen again. And I actually did that. I tore my back deadlifting about five years ago. Oh, that's right. Yeah, did. yeah, I didn't train it for ages. And then it became an issue. The rest yeah. of your body's getting stronger and all of a sudden you've got one lagging body part and it can wreak havoc with general life, especially if it is back. Yeah. Sitting for extended periods of time in a, in a car became quite painful actually mm. because there was no muscle there. Didn't Completely it. stopped training the lower back. So there you go. So thank you for uh, yeah life life example. Yeah. Don't do it. It hurts. <laughs> yeah, he means like the 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 tear in the back. Yeah. yeah, that hurt. But also don't allow it just to become weak. Sitting in a car shouldn't be painful. No, well, really especially when he's driving. But um, me. <laughs> yeah, I'm not allowed anymore it's really boring um, okay cool um, that was our first one yeah anything you want to add no we'll definitely be doing this again yes um, I'm going to try and do something each week with different people talk to them about, uh, it's mental health week have I been booked already no well it's mental health week so we can do it we can do it every week if we want yeah okay cool I've got mental health week this week so yep. we can touch on that and how I think we both know different because mm. we are in different fields of uh, our expertise yeah definitely alright and um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I don't do the life coaching do I I yeah, don't touch on anything to do with that true but um, obviously there's a part when which I'm coming to learn about in, in bodybuilding where you know mental health can be a, a massive thing yeah and obviously with life coaching and just general thing you might get an injury and you feel like crap it's scary how much it can damage you especially yeah. as a bodybuilder it's slightly different it's more intense it's, exactly that's what we're getting at. you'll know that side of it and you've yeah. got to explain that side of it mm. and how you, you deal with that so and I can hopefully give some uh, shed some light on what I've gone through and yeah. what I've dealt with with people and clients um, cool well thank you Jordan thank you very much for having me around no it's cool um, for any people that don't know we're actually doing it in the gym right now <laughs> and uh yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Take care, everyone. Cheers. Cheers. You right? Turning everything off? Yep.